You're listening to Give Me the Bible with Len. Today's program is entitled Ice Age. Hello, my radio friends. I'm glad you've joined me today. What I want to share with you in this program is not so much from the Bible, but is in support of the Bible. Stay listening, because what I have for you today will either confirm your faith and or may challenge you. In my tertiary studies, I majored in geography. My thesis was in the field of historical geography. On one occasion, one lecturer arranged a field trip where we, the students, were able to see certain land formations and features in southern Fleurieu Peninsula in South Australia. Not far from Mount Compass, we trooped out into a paddock to observe some large flat rocks that had grooves cut into the top. All the grooves were parallel and were all running in a north-south direction. We were told that these were striations, or scratch marks, caused by retreating glaciation during the Ice Age. I'm aware that other areas of the world have many other land features showing evidence for large sheets of moving ice. Some of these are lateral and terminal moraines. Moraines are hills of crunched-up rock found at the melt end of glaciers. Lateral moraines are similar to terminal moraines, but form at the sides of a glacier rather than at the end. Currently, many people are concerned about climate change. Climate change activists blame human intervention for what appears to be a heating up of the Earth's biosphere. There is no doubt that the environment of our planet is under a lot of stress, and environmental scientists seem largely agreed that at current rates of deterioration, the Earth will be uninhabitable in only a few decades' time. However, the purpose of this program is not to lament the state of the environment nor of society. That, of course, is very obvious. I want to share with you about what is known as the Ice Age, or as some people would say, Ice Ages. Evolutionists, uniformitarians and humanists have not come up with any satisfactory answers as to why the Earth cooled down at some time in the past, causing a drop in the temperature of the Earth. They normally come up with a non-explanation and say it happened, but they are unable to provide any satisfactory explanation. J.K. Charlesworth, an Ice Age expert, had this to say in his book, The Quaternary Era. Pleistocene, that is, Ice Age phenomena, have produced an absolute riot of theories, ranging from the remotely possible to the mutually contradictory 
and the palpably inadequate. However, I personally believe the Bible does provide a reasonable answer, and that is what I want to share with you today. Before explaining the biblical answer, I want to make a comment. Some people seem to believe anything, however stupid or implausible it is. Anything except what God's word, the Bible, has to say. God does not lie. God is truthful. And what is in the Bible is true. Yet many have come up with fanciful ideas many of which have been plainly shown to be false, yet many people actively resist truth. These are those who are described in 2 Timothy chapter 4, verse 3 as having itching ears, who only hear what they want to hear, whether it's truth or not. In 2 Thessalonians 2.11, the Apostle Paul, writing about such people, describes them as those who believe a lie. It is my considered opinion that the evolutionary theory is nothing but a lie dressed up to make it appear plausible. But because it totally opposes the Bible, any astute observer should be able to tell that the theory is false and has sucked in millions of people into believing there is no God, no creator, no design, no input. Yet, as one looks carefully, all life forms on this planet scream out intelligent design and function. And even that disciple of evolution, Richard Dawkins, admits that things look like they are designed but then, without providing any evidence, goes on to say, but they're not. You can probably tell that I do not believe in, nor do I support the theory of evolution. Time after time, it has been shown to be based on mere assumptions or speculations. It's not science, although it's taught as such. Evolution would be better described as opinion rather than science. If ever there was something that pulls the wool over people's eyes, it is the evolution theory. <laughs> now, back to the Ice Age after that comment. There is plenty of evidence that an Ice Age existed, but the reason why it ex existed is far less clear. Obviously, an ice age would only occur if there was some cataclysmic worldwide event to cause such massive cooling. That is explainable from the biblical record of the divinely ordained worldwide flood, often referred to as Noah's flood, as recorded in Genesis chapter 6 to 8. This flood was no ordinary flood. It was so big that all terrestrial life was wiped out except for those creatures and the eight human beings in the huge boat that Noah and his sons built. 
You see, God had instructed Noah to build the ark. He even gave him the dimensions so that it could handle the roughest maritime conditions. God had revealed to Noah what was going to happen, although others who did not know God scoffed at Noah and called him crazy. I have just had a few things to say about the humanist evolutionary adherents, who also no doubt scoff at the idea of a worldwide flood. Yet there is evidence aplenty that that event did happen. Seven days after Noah and his family were safely shut in the ark, it began to rain, and rain, and rain. Genesis chapter 7 verses 11 and 12 have this to say. In the 600th year of Noah's life, on the 17th day of the second month, on that day all the springs of the great deep burst forth, and the floodgates of the heavens were opened, and rain fell on the earth forty days and forty nights. Did you notice there that the Bible said all the springs of the great deep burst forth? So not only did water fall from the sky, but water gushed up from beneath the surface of the earth. But you might be thinking, water doesn't flow against the force of gravity. How could water rise? One author whose book I read with a great deal of interest has proposed that vast amounts of water lie beneath the surface of the earth. He proposed that huge caverns, some the size of continents, were filled with water and during the upheaval of the earth those caverns collapsed, displacing the water upward. He further proposed that where we now have seas and oceans, these were likely once areas of land that collapsed, forcing the water upward. That would have been a bit like sinkholes, but on a much larger scale. But with the surface of the earth cracking and breaking, they would have caused weaknesses in the earth's surface, giving rise to a huge amount of volcanic activity. Consequently, vast amounts of ash and dust would have spread into the air. With so much dust and ash in the air, the sunlight would have been blocked out, with the result of the earth cooling rapidly. There are three vital necessities for an ice age. They are, one, much cooler summers, two, abundant moisture, and three, that the wetter, cooler conditions must persist for at least a few years. The worldwide flood scenario ticks each of the boxes. Because of the smoke and dust in the air at very high altitudes, there would have been significant cooling. Because of all the water, including rain for nearly seven weeks without abating, 
moisture levels in the air would have been very high. The dust and smoke in the air from all the volcanic activity would have remained in the upper atmosphere for years. Hence, the cooling of the earth would have been over a fairly long period of time, particularly if volcanoes continued to erupt after the initial flurry. Another interesting factor would be the large amounts of water vapour caused by volcanism, heating up areas of the sea, producing an even more humid atmosphere. With all the water vapour, plus the cooling, precipitation in the form of snow would have been high. The conditions for an ice age continued for some time, but slowly decreased as the oceans cooled and volcanism waned. It has been calculated how long the ice age would have continued after the flood. Instead of taking up to 100,000 years, it is estimated that for the ice sheet to form would be about 500 years and for the ice sheet to melt would have taken about 200 years. Some of you may have seen on the news or on various documentaries about Hawaii, where the lava flows spread through villages and ended up in the sea. You would have seen the vast amounts of steam produced by the superheated lava as it flowed into the water. That steam produces lots of humidity. Now multiply what happens from one lone volcano hundreds of times, and it's not hard to imagine how much humidity was in the air at the time of Noah's flood. We're going to have a little break, and I'll go on with this straight afterwards. Shall come again And that lovely land of unclouded day 
common belief that there were several ice ages. However, that postulation is probably wrong as, depending on the variables in the temperature of the earth, glacial advice, uh, glacial ice would have advanced and retreated, giving rise to various layers of deposits. The idea that there were very long times for sedimentary rock layers for coal beds and for the ice age to happen are supposition. When one considers the recent climate changes, some changes are happening quite quickly, not over millions of years, but over a few decades. We are seeing extremes in the weather patterns. In 2019 in Adelaide, where I live, the hottest temperature ever on record was recorded. It is my strong opinion that the Ice Age is just another proof that the Bible is a true book. It can be trusted. The Bible tells about Noah's flood, that it was a worldwide event of gigantic proportions. Despite the efforts of those who try to find alternative explanations for geological features on this planet. I believe the worldwide flood best explains why our planet is shaped the way it is. The flood model does not depend on vast amounts of time. Personally, I believe those vast amounts of time have been introduced by evolutionists as a mask to hide their inadequate theories. Events like the eruption of Mount St. Helens in Washington State, USA, have clearly demonstrated that rock layers can form in a few months instead of millions of years. In a previous program, I told you about what I observed in my own lifetime. My childhood was spent on a property on the River Murray, at a small village known as Wangala, about halfway between Manham and Swan Reach in South Australia. On our farm we grew wheat, raised sheep and cattle, had fruit orchards, grew vegetables for the city markets, had swamp land plus land that abutted the river from where we could go fishing. As a child I had a favourite spot a kind of a cove 
where I would paddle through the thick, creamy-coloured mud. Each time I lifted my leg, there would be a loud sucking noise. For a young boy, that was fun. Then came the 1955-56 flood. My mud cove was completely covered with water about four metres deep. After the flood had abated and the water reached normal levels again several months later, I went to my mud cove. It was still there and hadn't washed away. To my utter surprise, the mud had become rock in only a few months. The process did not take millions of years. My friends, from personal experience, I saw what happened in a short time, and you can probably understand my opposition to what is commonly taught, that things form on their own without any plan or guidance from any external source over vast amounts of time. Evolution just does not make any sense to me. I've been to the Grand Canyon in Arizona in the United States of America. Although I did not go to the bottom of the, can can the canyon, my wife and I did follow a mule track that meandered down to the Colorado River that nestles at the lowest point of the canyon. We descended probably a few hundred feet, uh, that's about a hundred metres or so vertically, and I could observe the rock layers close up. Interestingly, most of those rock layers are quite flat. The particles that make up the strata are of different colours, and the size of the particles in any particular layer is uniform. The information boards explaining the formation of the canyon, as can be expected, preach about millions of years, saying things like, this layer took a so-called 40 million years to form, that one 60 million, and so on. So, how come those sedimentary layers are so flat? Was there no erosion during periods of those multi-millions of years? There should be eroded areas where streams and rivers had formed, but no, the layers are quite flat. But not only that, those layers are not unique only to the area around the Grand Canyon. They extend for thousands of kilometres. Those layers are evidence of a huge flow of water ripping up the surface of the earth and depositing it elsewhere. Such a process does not take millions of years. In fact, given the current rates of erosion on our planet, if the world is as old as the evolutionists claim it is, it should be completely flat. It's estimated and has been calculated that it would have become completely flat in that length of time at least 19 times. On another occasion, my wife and I were walking in a big park at Calgary, Alberta, Canada. 
near a small stream that runs through the park, was a huge bathroom-sized rounded rock that had split in half. It was made of different minerals than any of the other rocks to be seen in that area. Such a rock is known as an erratic. This one came from elsewhere, probably from the Rocky Mountains to the west of Calgary. But how did it get there? Did you notice that I said the rock was round? That's a clue that the rock was carried by a powerful flow of water, such as in the worldwide flood. My friends, I've only given you a couple of examples, those being about the Ice Age, my childhood, Mud Cove, and the erratic rock at Calgary, to show that there is an alternative explanation about how the world and what is in it came to be. Coupled with the fact that the Bible is unerringly accurate in its prophecies and that archaeology continues to confirm the Bible, I believe that we should accept it as truth and we should reject that junkyard of rusty relics of speculation, the theory of evolution, that keeps unrelentingly churning out fabrications and misinformation. So what are your ears like? Are they itching only to hear what you want to hear, whether it's truth or not? Or are your ears tuned in to that which is true? My mind is made up. Give me the Bible. It's my hope that you too will choose to believe what the Bible says. In there you will find truth, and in there you will find the path that leads to eternal life. Some people steal Say 